0: Amen. Let's move it up a little bit. Well, I bring greetings from Grace Reformed Church of Dickinson, North Dakota, and from Grace Reformed Church, Willows, California, and the Reverend David Wojtek. not that a wild thought? Yeah, David was ordained and installed two weeks ago. And it's the first time anybody ever asked me to do any of these things. This is the second time. Uh, so this is a, a new beginnings here. I, I just wanted to remind you, have you guys kept track? Do you realize that this church has been going on for 60 years? Is it 60 years this year or next year? I can't remember. I think it's in 64 is what I'm thinking. When I was here, it was 30 some years and that was 25 years ago. Can you imagine that? 25 years ago. I was talking to someone just recently. Said, yeah, I was here for four years. He said, seem longer than that. <laughs> so anyway, so uh, greetings from, uh, from your brethren, your sister churches. And uh, let's go ahead and pray and ask the Lord's blessing now. And if you have... Uh, no. My son corrected me. Turn in your Bibles to uh, Psalm 133. will be our Old Testament scripture. But let's go ahead and pray and ask for the Lord's blessing. Father in heaven, we do come before you. And once again, we acknowledge that apart from you, we can do nothing. We are in need of grace, not just in salvation, but (laughs) every moment of our existence. Every time we breathe in, we inhale your grace and mercy. We pray, O Lord, that you would use the exhale of that breath now, as we hear your word read and preached concerning our call in service to you. We ask, O Lord, for your blessing We pray that these words would not be forgotten. That especially the Bible, especially the words would be written in our hearts. But also as we look at the catechism as well. That we, as your people, are called to love you and to love those who serve you as under shepherds. And so we ask, O Lord, for your blessing, your grace, your mercy, your help in time of need. Open our eyes and more importantly, open our hearts that we may receive your word, that it be planted and that it would be a hundredfold fruitful for your glory and the good of your church. We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Something I didn't need 25 years ago. Um, Anyway, so if you'll turn with me to Psalm 133, it's probably very familiar uh, to you. A Song of Ascents of David. Behold, how good. Hmm, that's kind of an interesting theme. How good. And how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon, descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. In the New Testament also, if you'll turn with me, this will be our primary focus, and that is in the book of Hebrews. I'd like to start in chapter 1, verse 1, but I'm not going to do that. It is a sermon. But let's, let's come to the very end in chapter 13, and we'll focus in particular on verses 7 through 17. Remember, Okay. there's your charge. Remember, those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. For it is good that the heart be established by grace. I'm going to read that verse again. It is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp. Therefore, Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his own blood, suffered outside the gate. Therefore, let us go forth to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we have no continuing city but we seek the one to come. Therefore, by him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls. As those who must give an account, let them do so with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. And then the next three words, pray for us. The grass withers, the flower falls, but God's word abides forever. Amen. Amen. All right. So I've been given the charge to charge you. Just like my son, when I charged him two weeks ago at Friday, I made it very simple. One word. Okay? Very simple charge. One word. What do you think that word is? Love. You're called to love. Love the Lord, you know this, with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And love your pastor, your pastor's family. Are they your neighbor? Are they your fellow men? But especially, love your neighbor as Christ says, as I have loved you. The new commandment. How are you going to do? I hate to tell you, I told this to David. You're going to fail miserably. Right? Remember Ed Huntington? Anybody remember Ed Huntington? At his installation service? I don't know if you were there. He began this, the charge to the pastor was, and I just want to let you know, you're going to be a complete failure in the ministry. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to be discouraged. You're going to be despair. I go through a cycle of frustration, discouragement, despair. So often I can set my watch to it. And then he spent the next 10 minutes explaining himself. This is what this man is embracing. Loving you. Embracing frustration, discouragement, and despair. But I just wanted to say that it was the most encouraging sermon I ever heard. Why? Because it's normal. Brother, you know this, it's normal, right? I can do nothing in myself, but I can do all things through Christ. All right. I wanted to say, as I thought about this, I thought about our time here, and how could I summarize my time four years? It was, you loved us. You loved me and you loved our family. What I mean by that? you had to put up with this new preacher. I think back at some of those sermons that I preach and I go, boy, those people were very patient with me. They are terrible sermons from my perspective. But you loved me. You actually said, we are, we are very excited about you. Well, you're better than a tape recorder in the pulpit, at least. Remember that? Yes. These people, Kevin, these people loved us and they love you. But we need to hear it again, right? How are we to do so? How are we to take up this command? Well, let's look at our, our our book here, but let's just move back just a little bit to chapter 12. Verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and every sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author, and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him. So how are you to love your pastor, your pastor's wife, daughter? What does he say? By looking unto Jesus. Who loved us? Is that what he's saying there? Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross? Is that what Jesus said? Greater love is no man than this? That he would lay down his life for you and me? How do I do it? By looking unto Jesus. He is the focus. He's the focus of the whole book, isn't it? The book of Hebrews is what? The author's attempt to say Jesus is better than everything. Better than the angels, better than Moses, better than Aaron, better than the priesthood, than the sacrifices, than the tabernacle, on and on and on. Right? Why do you want to go back to those things when you've got Jesus? You've got the reality. Look at him. Keep your eyes fixed on him. He's the great shepherd. He's your pastor. Right? That's why the name, you changed the name of the church on me. That's why the name Christ Reformed Church, right? Jim, I know you had a hand in that. (laughs) Right? Christ is your pastor. But what does it say there? Where is Christ? He's seated at the right hand of God. And what has he done? He sent out under shepherds to serve him. And you've he's given more. you one. He will give an account, our text says. So how do I love I how do I love them? I look to Jesus. And again, let's just another verse in chapter twelve, verse uh, twelve, actually verse fourteen. Pursue peace with all people and holiness. Oh, did we hear anything about holiness just a few minutes ago? Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord. So how do you love? Pursue peace with all people and holiness. You want to make his job easier? Lift the burden. Pursue Christ. Pursue peace amongst yourselves. What does Paul say in Ephesians? Endeavor to keep, to guard the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Where's that? That's chapter four. Guess what he said in chapter two? Jesus is our peace. He's the source. He's the foundation. Pursue Jesus, our peace. And be at peace with one another. Make his job easier. What did Jesus say about the the wandering sheep? He had to leave the 99 and go after the wandering sheep, right? Well, who was taking care of the 99 while he was gone looking for that wandering sheep? I I, I don't have the answer to that question. If you can answer that one for me, I'd like to know that. He went and he went after that one. He had to set aside the care of the flock to work with them, help Make his job easier. Don't wander off. Stay in the middle of the flock. Okay. We live in a culture. We live in a in the flesh wants to do my own thing. Did you, did you hear the word submit in in the text in chapter thirteen? Did you hear that word? That's one of the dirty words in our culture, isn't it? Submit. That's a four letter word, even though it's six letters, right? i heard a young teenage gal one time talking to another teenage gal and she said i will never submit to any man and i went wait, oh ve, wait or ufta ufta okay i learned that here by the way incredible endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace for jesus is our peace one of the things that as I was preparing for David's um, uh, charge, I went back in my mind and tried to remember my charge, my installation service here, and my charge. I was ordained here as well. And I hate to say I don't remember. I think it was George Sims, and I think the message was preach the word. I've gone through and thought about every installation and ordination and services and charges. I can't remember any of them except Ed Huntington's. That one's stuck. So I want you to remember though. I don't want you to follow my example of forgetting Dory. Huh? So, do you have you don't do you have the uh, Three forms of unity out there. Yeah, okay. You don't have them right there in front of you. Okay. Lord's Day number twenty-one. Every year when we get the Lord's Day twenty-one, remember these catechism questions. Okay, their questions. Went and heard a Dutch a Dutch Reformed guy. He doesn't refer to them at as the numbers. He refers to them as Lord's Day. But we refer to them as Catechism Question 54. Listen to these words. And again, I'm hoping and praying that when you come back, that you will remember these words. What do we believe concerning the Holy Catholic Church? Did we confess that just a few minutes ago? We say we believe it. What do we say? That out of the whole human race, from the beginning to the end of the world, the Son of God, by his spirit and word, gathers, defends, and preserves for himself unto everlasting life a chosen communion in the unity of the true faith. Who's the one who gathers, defends, and preserves? It's the good shepherd. It's the chief shepherd. At least that's what it says here, right? But how does he do it? Through his word and spirit. You're, you have a minister of the word. You know the word minister means deacon, servant. He's a servant of the word. Through his word and spirit, through his preaching, Jesus gathers, defends, and preserves for himself an everlasting, unto everlasting life a chosen community in the unity of the true faith in that I am and forever shall remain a living member of this communion. Is that an identity statement? Someone asks you, who are you? I belong to Jesus. Catechism question number one, right? I am righteous in Christ before God in an heir of eternal life. Catechism question number 59. And here it says, I belong to the church. I am a member of, my identity is I belong to Jesus and his people. And then question 55. What do you understand by the communion of saints? First, that believers, one in all, as members of the Lord Jesus Christ, are partakers with him of all his treasures and gifts. Second, that each one must feel himself bound. That's a strong word, isn't it? must feel himself bound to use his gifts readily and cheerfully for the advantage and welfare of other members. Okay, what are you charged there? To love one another, keep the unity, and use the gifts that God has given you. Well, I don't know, Pastor, what what are my gifts? Well, one way you find out is just get out there and try, and they'll become evident to you and others as well. I met a man recently that thinks he should be an elder. He was placed in some positions or some opportunities. The other members said, no, not yet. There's a lot of maturing that has to go on before this man will ever be an officer in the church. It's hard for him to accept that because he believes he's called, and he (coughs) believes he's got the gifts. But we need that outward calling, don't we? The church saying, yes, we see those gifts. What is your gifts? What has Christ given the church? What has Christ given you to give to the church? If you don't know, go to your elders, pastor. Go to your deacons. Go to your one another. Again, what does it say? One must feel himself bound to use his gifts readily. And cheerfully for the advantage and welfare of other members. Is that love? Would that be a good, tangible expression of love for one another? Is God has given me something and I give it to you? I love what the the Greek on that one, cheerful, hilarious, right? Hilarious givers. That's what we're called to do. Your charge. Number four, by remembering those who rule over you. Finally, he gets to the text. Verse seven, remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. Doesn't that sound familiar? Didn't you just preach on that in First Timothy? Yeah. Remember those who rule over you. Now, does that mean Jesus Christ? Do you remember Jesus Christ? He rules over you. He's the head of the church. you remember him? (laughs) Doesn't he say that? Look unto Jesus. But do you also remember your pastor? Your elders? Those that have stepped up and said, yes, I'll take on this responsibility. Yes, I will hug the porcupine for Jesus. Isn't the ministry sometimes like hugging the porcupine? Right? Yeah, love them. And then you let go and they walk away, and you got all these quills stuck in you. you got to pull them out one by one. And sometimes they get very painful. Right? Hugging the porcupine. Welcome to the ministry. We should I have a t shirt made. Yes. Remembering those who rule over you. Yes, they are called to rule. And look at verse 17. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out, they guard, they protect, they look out for your souls as ones, as those who must give an account. That is a frightening statement there. Right, brothers? scares me every time I read it, scares me to death. When I was in California, there were, there were churches you drive by, and it looks like a shopping mall. There's tens of thousands of attenders. And whenever I drove by one of these mega churches, I said, thank you, God, for not making me pastor of that church. I don't want to be responsible for 10,000 people that I don't even know their names or anything about them. Thank you, God, for giving me a small church. I know every single member. I know every single visitor. Pray for your pastor. Pray for your elders. Pray for your officers. Especially the elders. Says in this text what? They must give an account to God, to Christ one day for you, for your souls. Obey. There's that bad four-letter word. Submit. Oh, that's another one. But isn't that godliness? What was said earlier? God calls us to submit. How many of you, you can raise your hand, I want to just see us. How many of you believe and confess that Jesus is Lord? Okay, those who did, didn't raise your hand, we need to talk afterwards. Okay. Um, what does that mean? Is those just another four-letter word? Lord? Does it mean anything? When Jesus says, jump, what do you do? What you should do is say, ha, hi, on the way up, right? He is the Lord, and he's placed over you those who rule over you. We're called to obey. And finally, like I said, verse 18, pray for us, pray for them. Does he need it? Sure does. Paul continually asks, and throughout his epistles, pray for us. He's called to the word in prayer, but he needs the word and he needs your prayers, for sure. And so I want to just come to the conclusion I oh, conclusion, praise the Lord. Um The conclusion in verse 20 and 21. Now may the God of peace who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great pastor, shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. not a good summary of everything you've heard tonight? He's the shepherd. He's the one rose from the dead. He's the one who rules. He's the one that's making you complete. He's the one that enables you to do any good work according to his will through him. And so again, your charge, one word. So at least you can carry that one home. What is your charge, brethren? Love. And and love God and love your pastor. And his family. Okay? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do come before you. We thank you, Lord, for giving us under shepherds. We thank you, Lord. We've been praying for a man after your own heart to pastor this church. And we see and we rejoice that you have answered our prayers. And so we do pray that you would strengthen him and equip him to be that follower, following the great shepherd, and also to be a leader, leading the flock through Jesus Christ. We pray, O Lord, for this congregation. We thank you for the love that they have shown for 60-some years to so many pastors and now they have an opportunity to do so now. We pray, O Lord, that you would bless them and enable them to live at peace with one another, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, looking unto Jesus, the Prince of Peace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.